Okay. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Beneath the Waves Week 6 with myself, Matt Silver, and Dave Hughes. Good evening, Dave. Hi, Matt. Hi, everyone. How are you doing yourself, Dave? Yeah, no, I'm really good, thank you. Very well. Had a lovely weekend. Good. So let me um, let me dive into a reminder of what we've been doing last week, shall I? Please do. So last week, if you remember, we continued on the theme of working together as teams in this difficult environment. Uh, and we talked about how obviously essential it is to have trust in a team if a team is going to work effectively. And the cornerstone of trust is understanding understanding where somebody comes from, what their motives are, a bit about their background and who they are. The more we understand about people, um, the more we can trust them. So therefore we say take responsibility for understanding someone else's traits, trust. And then we spoke about how understanding the value system that people operate from, that you yourself operate from, and that your colleagues and friends operate from, really helps build that understanding and it's very very powerful and we walk through what the levels of the value systems are so that's what we did last week we're going to continue the theme of teams this week and we'll just touch on that value system there dave just just because it's going to be quite relevant this evening on the left hand side we have the more individual aspect of the value system and on the right hand side we have the more team uh, mm -hmm. side the yeah. collective in in uh, belonging in uh, order and in the social and system balance side mm -hmm. so how are you finding it working virtually with your team at the moment matt i can't say that it's the same as sitting around a table together i think it's it's difficult in the sense that we don't pick up on the body language, you know, you can see it right now as you watch the two of us, the body language below our shoulders is, is not being expressed, whereas usually my hands may be up here and um, far more expressive in that sense, even mm. as you, you know, you pick up on the finer details. But on the whole, we are managing to meet regularly, trying to meet punctually, keep our meetings as short as possible and as close to the agenda as possible, and, and trying to stick to the same operating system. So we're not mm. dancing between text messages, WhatsApp, and mm -hmm. Gmail. We're, we're trying to stick to Gmail as, as best we can. Um, and I think that sort of sets a certain pace, that if it comes through an email, it's a sort of get back to you within a day, whereas if it's on WhatsApp, it's a sort of, I need your opinion now or in the next 15 minutes or something along those mm. lines. So I, th I think um, defining those systems and, and making sure that there's clarity is really important for teams at the moment. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of what you're talking about is how you communicate as a team and with each other during these times. And that's what we're really going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about the anatomy of relationships and the different perspectives that people can come from when they're communicating, when they're communicating one-on-one -on -one or when they're communicating uh, as part of a team. Um, and what we find is a lot of people often come from what we call the first person perspective. Which I suppose at the moment must be more prevalent as anxiety levels are higher amongst people in general. I would imagine so. So let me explain what first person is. First person is really uh, when you're coming from very much from a, this is about I, it's about me, it's my inner thoughts, my beliefs, my values, and 
and people speaking from first person have a real compulsion to talk. So you'll hear language like, you know, in my view, in my experience, this is what I think my truth is, this is how it is. So it's often passionately advocated. It's very much about me. It's unique to me. It's subjective. Um, and if you're coming from a first-person perspective, you're quite often uh, having a low level of awareness because you're so wrapped up in your passion, your belief, and trying to put across your argument. So what Matt and I are going to do is we're going to have a go at role modeling what this looks like to try and bring it to life for you. Um, yeah, I think it's really important to say it is definitely role modeling as well. We're not we're not putting forward our own opinions. Or yeah, so please don't sue us after this. These are not <laughs> our opinions. We're just role modeling for you. And we thought, seeing as it's so current at the moment, we would talk about the topic of lockdown and whether we should be relaxing lockdown or not. So we're going to be in first person for this one. So Matt, what, what do you think? Should we be relaxing lockdown or not? I think we should not be relaxing lockdown at all, Dave. I think we need to keep everyone home and everyone safe. Yeah, Matt, can I interrupt you? I, re I really believe we have to uh, get people back to work. The economy is suffering. No, Dave. People's people's health comes before anything else. We've got to really be concentrating on well, what that number looks health, like on the curve. Mental, mental health. People's mental health is suffering uh, because they're... They're cocooned at home. People's mental health can't exist if, if their physiological health is not in, in order. You know, and not only that, I mean, more and more people are being made redundant every day. The economy is suffering. Unless we change this round, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a massive impact. But the value of human life far outweighs the value of, of, of the economy and, and what that's going to look like. So hopefully that gave you a bit of a feel of what it's like when you're both in first person perspective, you're very much coming from me, I, not really listening very much to what the other person is saying. Uh, you're just very focused on getting your point of view across. Um, and a lot of us spend a lot of time in that perspective without even really being aware of it. So the next one I wanna speak about is what we call third person perspective. Uh, and this is where um, you come a bit away from the argument and distance yourself a little bit. And it's more about observation, drawing on the facts, the truth, um, and the data. So people in third person will quite often say, the reality is, the facts are, this is what the data says, the evidence is, the truth is. It's nothing personal because it's, it, it's we've, we've removed ourselves. So it's the realm of, science, reporters, referees, very relevant during COVID, objectivity from a distance, and it's much more dispassionate than first person. And quite often you'll see in a team or even a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, both people will start in first person and then somebody will move into third person. So Matt and I are going to have a go at trying to uh, role model this for you now. So what you'll see is I'll stay in first person, very much arguing my point of view, but Matt will move more into a, a third person perspective. So Matt, I just feel, you know, and we, we, it's driving me crazy and all my friends and I just feel we need to get people back to work. We need to get kids back into school so parents can go back to work and get things moving again. But when you look at the countries that are two weeks ahead of us, Dave, the statistics show that as soon as that lockdown is eased, those numbers are spiking right back up again. 
and the statistics are not lying. If we leave lockdown, we're going to be left with... Don't, don't blind me with facts and numbers from other countries. We're about, this is about us here and now. And I just feel we need to get the country moving again. But when you look at the long-term projection of the economy, if we are going to be entering lockdown again in three or four weeks as a result, that's going to affect the uh, recovery of the economy in the long term. You look at the statistical trends from the... All I know is I'm going stir-crazy and all my friends are. And another three weeks of this, and that could be the end of my marriage, the way things are going. But when you look at what the divorce rates are doing... I can't carry on from that one, (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully that's given you a good feel for Matt moving into third person. You know, I was still very much about my argument, whereas Matt was coming from, here's the data, here's the facts, this is what it's telling us. But we're not really getting anywhere, even in that scenario. We're still, neither of us have moved our point of view and moved our position. We're going around in circles. We're not really um, moving the argument forward. We're not coming to any kind of agreement. Uh, on a conclusion. So let me therefore introduce second person perspective. And this is where if somebody typically in a, in a meeting or in one-on-one starts to step out of first or third and try and find the common ground uh, and what's jointly understood. So what we'll hear people saying who are coming from second person perspective is, Uh, What we seem to be saying is, I think we all agree on the common ground is, what we have in common is. So very much about the common view, the shared beliefs, the shared values, trying to get to an agreement with some commitments and a way forward. And what you find is when you're in second person, it really builds relationships and connections. Whereas when you're in first and third, quite often it's pushing people apart. This is bringing people uh, back together again. And I think that that connection and buy-in, Dave, is is a big part in other aspects of leadership as well. When we're looking at vision setting, uh, when we're looking at repurposing what it is that we're doing in the short term in schools between now and the summer holidays, we're looking at a very different vision as Mm. to what we may typically be looking like during uh, our normal functioning uh, school. So are we realigning uh, collectively and therefore sharing that message as a collective whole across our our stakeholders in the schools and having a common vision that a common purpose you know that really helps mm. with making second person perspective happen i mean that let me talk to you about the zip we talk about what really helps in second person is trying to get the conversation up to a level where there is agreement so even if you're poles apart you can find something you can both agree on i'm sure pretty much everyone in the country hopefully everyone would say, you know, we don't want people dying. So there's an area Matt and I could agree on. So how do you go up, you know, zip up to find a level where you could agree on? And if you've got a common vision or a common purpose, you can always go back to that common vision and purpose and say, look, we're all, we know we're all here to provide a better education for all the children in the school. Okay, yeah, we all agree on that. And then you start to go back down the zip again to explore where your differences are and how you can, where, where in that are some areas of agreement and so on. And, um, you know, to make it happen, a few tips. So it's about making the other people feel heard. And we shared the map skill a couple of weeks ago. And it's about trying to find the areas of common agreement, joint benefits, ask open-ended questions. That really helps. 
um, moving away from either or or wrong right. You know that dance of I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah, it's either that or that. Well, no. Quite often it's about a both and. You know, can we do this and that? And starting to try and look at it in a different way. So again, Matt and I are going to have a go at trying to um, to, to to carry on modelling. That we're going to start again. We're going to start the discussion again because obviously you don't start in second person perspective because you know you need to hear the points of view first. So you typically start in first or third, and then move out of that into second in order to try and bring the different points of view together. I think so that, that, that point that you made there, Dave, as well. Just just before we start the listening aspect, really thinking back to our map skill. Mm -hmm. uh in 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 the previous week around how are we really listening to people uh, as as we do it yeah so here we go so matt what what do you think about uh lockdown and should we be relaxing or not relaxing i really don't think we should be relaxing at this point i i feel that the statistics are pushing us to stay closed and it's short-sighted of the country if we if we proceed with that Mm. So interesting because my view is the opposite. My view is we have to, the economy's tanking and we need to find a way of getting people back into, into work. So, uh, so if we're going to move forward with setting the agreement here on, on how we might move forward from very different perspectives, could we look at, okay, so from different timings perhaps, around something that we both agree on being you touched on mental health before i completely agree our mental health is suffering mm. so how how can we find some common ground around mental health though well i you know can we find a way so you know obviously i agree that you know we don't want more people than have to dying of covid um so is there a way that we can begin to slowly relax and ease the restrictions, uh, but without increasing the risks uh, of people getting infected and, and ending up dying. So, you know, is there a way we can do both and? And, you know, I mean, would you agree that trying to find some way of slowly relaxing things without increasing the risk, it would be a good way forward? I think you're taking in two types of health, uh, physiological health, obviously, with the uh, with the death and the illness aspect to mm -hmm. it and trying to reduce that as much as possible, but you're also taking into account mental health. And I think there's mm -hmm. two areas there that we can really agree on. Uh, both are, are high on the priority list and how high on that priority list. If we can agree that we can have some sort of phased re-entry to support those who are most vulnerable to both conditions, mm -hmm. then we can look at a system that will accommodate both. So I think a phased re-entry, yeah, I think would be, is perfect. I, I suspect you and I will disagree about how fast we should go, and let's dive into that now. But so let's let's stop it there. That's probably enough. So hopefully that gives you a feel of what's you know the tone of the conversation is very different. Yes, we're putting our points of view across, but we're also listening to where the other person is coming from. We're open to modifying our point of view. We're trying to build together to collaborate to find the areas of agreement 
you know, obviously it's a bit artificial. There's lots of emotion and passion in, in all of these arguments. So it doesn't always flow so like that. But, and the idea is that, you know, is to be aware of which perspective you're taking. So first person, you know, they're all important. You have to be in first person at times. You have to be in third person at times. You have to be in second person at times. But being aware of what perspective you're taking at a point of time and being able to switch out of one into another is really what gives you the capability to help manage through some very difficult conversations. Yeah, and I think that's really key going back to, you know, we've, we've just run a poll and we, we asked around what perspective do people most commonly take? And actually, it was quite a balanced uh, response there, Dave. Can you see the, the results? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what I think we'll see with that is that people who speak from the first person, again, just going back to that values diagram, the spiral, we're thinking actually from that individ, individual, individualistic sense. But actually, everyone's entitled and has a right to, to their voice and their, and their opinion. However logical from that third place uh, it is or, or not, people are still allowed a perspective. So it's about how do we integrate both the first and the third perspective into that second person perspective. Mm. And to do that most efficiently, we touch into the fourth person perspective, which is being conscious of whether you are in the first, second or third perspective. So, so that ability to be able to do that uh, really brings yourself into the conversation using the strengths of each perspective, but also it allows you to be very aware of others and where they're sitting, uh, mm-hmm. but also what's behind that, where's, what's behind that perspective and, and where are they coming from. So maybe talk about a bit about how this has helped you at school with your team, because um, you know that you use the language when you're talking to each other, and you're you know certainly in the team there is more awareness now of what perspective people are taking and so on. How has it helped? I think with a lot of the models and frameworks that we've used uh, on Beneath the Waves, we tend to have a visual presence of them, and that's something that we're struggling with on the digital version obviously so Mm. I'm going to actually consciously thinking about that now go and rearrange my office tomorrow so that when I have meetings with my team those visuals are still behind yeah but um, that's a big factor in in how we manage that with our team so because we have the shared vocabulary we're allowed to challenge each other on agreed models that we have all sat around the table and learned around and learned around the benefit benefits of using those uh, models and, and vocabulary and then we're allowed to challenge each other far more openly because of it mm-hmm. so what perspective are you coming from on this point or that point mm-hmm. and, and therefore are we actually making headway here or are we simply going back and forward and mm-hmm. making no progress whatsoever yeah i've seen some great examples in with clients i've worked with i remember one guy after we introduced this to to them uh, he went away and practiced it and, and he was actually at a i think it was a golf club he was at where there was a committee meeting and uh, and they had a massive argument. I can't remember what it was about now, but a huge argument where they were all very passionately, all in first person perspective. No one could agree. And he'd just learned this. And so he he would have normally been in first person mucking in, but he went into second person. Uh, and by doing that, and by asking questions, trying to tease out where are the where's the commonality and so on, actually calmed everything down and managed to get the meeting to 
to an agreement and a way forward. So, um, and I so think that's a really key point that you brought up there, Dave, in, in going out and practicing it. Because what we're sharing here doesn't happen overnight. Mm. It's, it's not something that instantly, the moment that you're taught it, you can uh, apply it. Yeah. It's about that practice. So how are you, like with any other habit, how are you prompting that practice? And that's why the visuals work so well for us as a team. But it's only when you start to really apply your knowledge do you step into development. Yeah. And if, if you're not, you know, you can be the, the most intelligent person in the world around something like, say, emotional intelligence. But if you're not applying that emotional intelligence, you're not developing. Yeah, you know, practice, practice, practice. And, and at the beginning, some people do find it difficult, particularly if you're in first person perspective, to be aware of what perspective you're taking. Because in first person, you're so passionate, you're caught up in the discussion, you're putting your points of view, you're really excited and high energy. Uh, and uh, people, you know, clients have said, I find it difficult then. Being, being able to step out and say, okay, I'm in first person and be aware of it. Um, but actually, the more you practice, the more you're able to do that. You can be that passionate advocate in first person, but also aware of, okay, this is what I mean, and that's appropriate for this point in the meeting because I want to put my point of view across. But I don't want to be stuck in first person perspective. I want to then come out of it and then be able to facilitate moving towards a conclusion and agreement. And I think a great example of that is the, you know, we, we used to use the, the um, metaphor, the chief speaks last, mm. to really encourage us to sit back and listen. That should be found quite a slow pace to the meetings when we were doing that. Uh, we, we couldn't find that, that agreement very quickly at all. But it's a useful starting point. It's a useful starting point. But then when you look at the other side of it, of how great leaders really shift across that, you look at the Martin Luther King speech, he starts with, I have a dream, mm-hmm. we should, and mm-hmm. then it transcends into that it. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at some of the best leaders, actually they're very conscious of how they're manoeuvring and mm-hmm. they're, they're sitting from that fourth person perspective and really picking up on where they're, mm-hmm. where they're at. There. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a question in here about um, how do you deal with a leader who's constantly in third person perspective? Matt, do you want to give, what's your view? How would you handle that? Yeah, so I definitely have some leaders on my team who would favour third-person perspective. But I think it comes back to what we're talking around about visual cues. So we're talking about good habits. We want we want prompts and cues that are going to get us into those habits. So we have the slide that, that Dave has shared this evening sitting on our meeting table. And, and what that allows us to do is have the common vocabulary to be able to call each other out on it. But I think the essential part of that is actually, first of all, recognizing what perspective are you coming from? Mm. And are you trying to problem solve or are you trying to just say to somebody that they're wrong? And there's, there's quite a big difference in, in, in what that can look like. And I think when you look at the problem solving side of things, what you generally find is that there's a lot more empathy to, to what it is that's behind what somebody is saying so on the on the very sort of primary version of that whatever they're saying might offend you it might disagree with you it might go against you completely but if you're conscious of where you're coming from it's going to affect you less and then if you're conscious of where they're coming from then it might actually not be about 
creating a solution at all. You might be addressing the problem at the original source of, of the third person perspective. So getting somebody out of that third person perspective, I think is definitely around, first of all, understanding yourself, but then bringing that framework and vocabulary into the team. And it's pretty hard to argue against when you watch the explanation that, that myself and David put forward this evening, you can't say really that always being in third person is, is a strength. And, and in fact, when we talk about any of those perspectives, they all have a shadow side, which is, is, is a weakness to them. Um, so if, if you're constantly in second person perspective, you're probably not listening to anyone's first or third. You're just steamrolling ahead with the solution. Um, so, how do you then have a balance in that and, and how do you start to, to empathize with others? Would you agree with that, Dave? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Well, I really like the point about, you know, any, anyone stuck in one perspective um, isn't, isn't good. What you, you want to be able to dip into each and but then be able to move out. So somebody, like you said, in second, I find that quite, you know, you never know what their point of view is. Mm. They're constantly you know, trying to find the common areas and, and you're like, well, what do you think? Hmm. But if somebody's in first, they're just going on and on and on. And like, yeah, I know what your point of view is, but you know, and then third, as you, as, as per the question, you know, is frustrating also because it's just always the data and the facts you can help. You can, there's some questions you can ask to try and tease people out. So for example, somebody who was always in third, you can say, okay, well, we'll look, we've seen the data, we've seen the facts, but what do you think? You know, try and get them to move into first or, you know, and the, or get them to move into second. You know, where do you think we can agree uh, and so on? So some, sometimes questions are useful to do. Going back up that zip. Yeah, exactly. So there's another point here, which is about, do you use this in your personal development with team members? I mean, what perspective they, they take or do you use it with them? So we run a very transparent team. We, we share our uh, developmental points together. I think it's important to, to note that they are developmental points, um, not progress points in, in that sense. And so what we, we have, have tended to do is have more team goals, which um, brings together the team, but also takes the emphasis of one person necessarily being wrong um, but it, that it's a team responsibility uh, to to be able to be conscious of and and move that. So so it might have worked as as one of our team goals to look at perspective taking, but we've always got to make sure that everyone on that team is accountable and willing to take on that team effort. Because if it just becomes one person, such as I, as the head teacher say it means that I'm always the person that's going to be sitting in the middle and balancing that. And, and what I need is all the team members to be able to host from the middle, but also to share their first person perspective and, and their third person perspective in that sense as well. Yeah. And it's a good point you make about, you know, as the head teacher, I bet, you know, quite often the leader of a team ends up being the person who moves into second person to try and facilitate. But in a really great team, anyone in the team, you know, you'll find everyone's moving into second at different times. Because ideally, you as a head teacher, you want to be able to, at times, get into first and get stuck into the discussion and share your point of view, get into third and have somebody else help facilitate. It shouldn't always be on your shoulders to do that. Yeah, and I, th I think that's um, bringing up a really interesting point around team development. 
and our most recent session with yourself Dave has been for our team has been around how do we take ourselves from these independent um, experts or pluralists into those integrated uh, mm-hmm. really high performing teams so how do we integrate everyone's values everyone's perspective wherever they're coming from and how do we integrate into that into that common team uh, vision and, and, yeah. and build a truly interdependent team yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely good um, Jan's made a comment which I think is is really interesting uh, which is about you know the broadside from Boris and and the lack of clarity for schools that that's brought and now leader head teachers and teams are having to deal with what does this mean that really requires a big dose of second person perspective to be able to work through it all which is believe me second person perspective is really fantastic for dealing with complex situations if you if, if, if something's complex and you know what the situation we're in now is complex being in first person keeps it narrows it down and tries to simplify or being third keeps it but being second allows you to explore the, the whole picture and all the dimensions and then find the commonality and then agree a way forward that that builds in you know everyone's expertise definitely definitely so thank you very much to everyone for joining us this evening we hope that you have enjoyed our perspective on taking perspectives um, and that you'll take this back into your team. As always, you can connect with uh, Dave via the Complete Education website. So um, it's completecoherence.com, Dave? coherence.com And uh, with myself via either the YouTube channel or LinkedIn or or Twitter or the Shaftesbury High School website. So um, please do reach out if you have any further questions. And thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everyone. See Have you a next great- week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on Beneath the Waves. Cool.